Our guest on Creative Innovators this week is Lufia Watson-Ramirez on Augmented Reality. My background is web design and development, but over the last couple years, I have gotten into AR development and become an AR creator um, and really trying to um, experiment with gaming and storytelling um, to kind of combine digital and physical worlds and create something cool. So AR for the non-dorks in the audience is augmented reality. So if I was going to create a, an image in someone's head about what that might be, what would you suggest if someone to, to, to tuck it into their awareness? Um, you know, I always give people the example of Pokemon Go because I feel like that's the one that everybody knows the most. But just really being being able to kind of overlay digital elements on the real world. So you, you can see, you know, characters, you can, you know, have things superimposed on your face and body. So you can be able to virtually try on clothes or, you know, makeup, um, you know, and beyond. So it's just a way to kind of blend um, just digital elements with, with your real self and surroundings. And it could be that I'm, and I'm holding up for those in the audio podcast, my phone, but I could use my phone for this. I could use, I'm an old Google Glass person back nice. in the day. Uh, I could use some kind of a glasses, though that's not most of it. And I could yeah. even oh, do overlays on my computer screen, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, um, Snap has Snap Camera that you can use a lot of these uh, lenses and filters with your webcam. But yes, you can also use it with your phone or glasses. I love wearable devices, but yeah, they're not very commonplace yet. Great. So you're, I want to, I always look going backwards into someone's, how they got started and all of this. And were you a creative kid? Yes. What was your kidhood like? Were you the type <laughs> that was always doodling and drawing or building something? Yes, I was. I was thinking about this the other day. My, I always have to bring it up. I feel like I say it all the time, but my parents are musicians and that is very foundational to me being an artist because I was surrounded by that, you know, being able to see people do what they love and make a living off of it. Um, so that was very inspirational to me. And I always knew I wanted to be a visual artist in some capacity, but I just, I never had a, a focus. Um, and so I, always experimented. I tried drawing and painting and um, crocheting at one point. So I would, I would dabble in a lot of different things. It really wasn't until I think junior high or high school where I found photography and kind of stuck with that for a bit. Photography. So old, old school um, film camera, digital camera. Yeah, no, old school, old school film camera. I, was, I started out with Canon. So I'm a Canon girl and um, uh would be in the dark room, you know, in high school and college, there was a, we thankfully had a dark room in high school as well. And, um, I also was, a, an assistant to a wedding photographer. So that was kind of like oh, my cool. first major job was being a wedding photographer's assistant. So I learned a lot about lighting and composition and, you know, positioning people. So, um, it, I also knew I did not want to be a wedding photographer. <laughs> so stressful. It is such a stressful job. And, you know, the way my anxiety is set up, I was just always nervous. I was going to miss a shot or even just as the lighting person that my lighting wouldn't be correct and I would mess up the shot. So I know, but it was, it was a wonderful experience just to kind of be part of it. But I knew that wasn't for me. <laughs> I'm often telling young, young folks, I'm often telling young folks that, 
that it's those jobs you take up front that aren't for you that might be the best lens. Um, gosh, I had so many terrible jobs up front um, when I was in film school that it was like, okay, this is not what I want to do. <laughs> well, this one's really boring other than 10% of the time. Yeah. Or do I really want to be traveling or whatever it is to learn that early is important. So where yes. was high school? Uh, it was it was in New York. It was a private school called Calhoun on the Upper West Side. Um, it was a very, very tiny school. There was about 30 of us in our graduating class. Um, so it was it was a very unique experience, especially compared to my brother who went to a larger high school and had his graduation was like hundreds of people. So <laughs> um, it was it was cool. I liked it. We had really, you know, a unique setup. We called our teachers by our first name, by their first names. And, you know, there were no walls. It was just a very kind of open layout uh, situation. So kind of hippy dippy, you know? <laughs> so going from hippy dippy and photographer to college turned into what did you decide to do there? So still photography, that was my major. Um, I went to Syracuse and um, for their visual and performing arts school. And um yeah, my focus was photography, but even still, like I took a stained glass class. I took, you know, we all had to take figure drawing. Um, I took a couple printmaking classes that I really enjoyed. So even within that, I was still really excited to try different things and not just focus primarily on photography. And then my senior year, last semester of college, I took a web design class and it was geared towards artists and I loved it. So we like learned HTML and, and all of that, but like we were able, you know, encouraged to kind of turn it on its head and like use pop-ups in an artsy way and, you know, create kind of portfolio sites or just create, you know, artistic websites. And that's kind of planted a bug um, in me that I really liked working you know, with web design. So putting a calendar on that, what year was that? That was, when did I graduate? 2001. So this was still, I wouldn't say early web, but this is, this 2001 is pre-YouTube. Yeah. Um, it is around actually when I started teaching grad school and I used to joke that all of my students learned HTML so they could mess with um, their MySpace profile. Yes. <laughs> So you can do it with my the spinny stuff and you can have, you know, all the stroby things. <laughs> yes. And so is it was an era where a lot of people couldn't build websites, but boy, they can hack MySpace. Mm -hmm. I okay. loved it. I still love my design. <laughs> I have a few of my old designs and I looked at them semi-recently and I was like, I liked these. Like it was fun. I kind of missed that. <laughs> I keep saying we should go back to MySpace from Twitter, but that's yes. a whole nother conversation. Yeah. For another podcast. <laughs> Let's go back. There was a, a great, um, a great tweet going, you know, Tom really liked us and was welcoming. And some young people were going, who's Tom? Why is this oh, picture no. of this guy on here? Oh, well, now I'm aging myself. I, so, I'm obviously aging myself as well. So it's fine. <laughs> I know who Tom is. Tom. So uh, you graduated with a wonderful Syracuse degree in photography focus and web design, new light fire under you. And what was then your adventure that you moved into? Uh, I felt lost for a couple of years um, because I didn't, like I said, ever since I was a kid, I've always dabbled in a lot of different things. And so even though I love photography and it's my foundation, when I graduated, I didn't really want to be only a photographer and I didn't know what to do with that 
So like, you know, all of the photography jobs, being an event photographer or portrait photographer or wedding photographer, I was like, I don't really technically want to do any of these. Like, I don't want to work for a newspaper. So I was like, I don't know what to do. So I did, you know, uh, having, you know, musicians at my, my kind of, you know, not disposal, but, you know, I am connected to musicians. So I did start doing promo shots for musicians um, to just as work. Um, and I enjoyed doing that, but I still felt like there was a part missing. And even though I enjoyed the web design class, it didn't connect with me that that could be a potential career. Um, it was just like fun. It was cool. But it didn't click with me until a couple years later that that was something that I could do. And so I literally was on a plane either going to visit my parents or coming back from visiting my parents when it just hit me on the plane all of a sudden I just had this random epiphany where I was like I'm gonna go to grad school for web design and it just it came out of nowhere I don't know how or why or what triggered it but it was just I remember sitting on this plane going huh all right I'm going to grad school I guess um and so I I did I went to Long Island University um for my my official titles, interactive multimedia arts. Um, and my focus was on, on web design. And that's where I learned flash and fell in love with flash and just kind of, you know, realized that this was kind of the missing puzzle piece for me. Cause now I was able to combine photography and web design. Um, cause a lot of times when I worked with musicians, I would kind of do both ends of the spectrum. So I would do a photo shoot for them and then I would be able to use those pictures as part of the design for the website. So I just felt like it was a complete package for me. I'm going to put a note in the show notes for people to check out Emily Wapnick's Ted talk and books about how to be everything, but it's a real question for a I'm lot of early creators down. is the, I feel like I'm supposed to be one thing. Mm -hmm. And she's in a whole pattern of looking at different people's lives and journeys through their careers. And especially for creative folks, we tend to have this blurring part. We either stack or we kind of blur things together, but then we don't feel like that's what the world is telling us is supposed to be the space. So you yeah. were kind of living that combining music, combining web design, photography, and um, marketing and experience design too on, on some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I definitely, I don't think of it that way, but that's true. You know? Um, yeah, I didn't, I definitely, I, I didn't know it was okay to do that, you know? So I, I, for many years felt really bad about it and not, I felt like I wasn't good enough because I didn't just have one thing, um, you know, over the last few years, I've thankfully, you know, heard other people talking about it and realize I'm not alone and go, oh, okay, you know, like this is a good thing. And this is, you know, what my, that that is my strength. It is my strength to be able to blur all these things together. But for a long time, I just kind of felt like I was lacking because I just didn't have this one thing that I was amazing at, you know, I had a lot of things that I was very good at and combining them, you know, could be amazing, but just like singularly, I didn't feel like I had one thing that I just mastered. Um, and that kind of wrestled with me for a while. So you became, um, interactive media design queen when this was, I think you know, for, for grad school, when this was still kind of an early framing that people still tended to have grad school in their separate nuggets. And it sounds like this was a sort of ahead of its time or ahead ish of its time that folks were, were leading that way. So what then sparked for you and what did you then do with this adventure? 
Um, once I discovered Flash, it was definitely a, a light bulb moment for me, um, both in my own artistic practice and also just professionally, because um, I felt like I found I found my thing. You know, I, I found and, kind and of this my is focus. the sad thing I'm about to say. Yeah. For people who are really young, can yes. you explain <laughs> Flash and both what it is and why we don't have it anymore? Oh gosh, I'm dating myself too. So Flash was it was a program, it was software um, that allowed you to create just multimedia projects. You were able to create websites with it. You were able to create games, um, you know, art pieces. It allowed you to combine a lot of different things. You could um, use it to make animation. Um, you could add music, video, photography, you know, all of the above text. And that's why it it uh, called to me because, you know, like I've said, that I'm, I'm a mashup of a lot of different things. So the fact that there was this, this software that allowed you to kind of add all of these things in and come out with the seamless projects was just like completely mind blowing to me. Um, and so I used it a lot to, in my, you know, professionally to build websites for musicians and small nonprofits and some documentary uh, filmmakers. Um, but I used it myself. I, I used Flash to create my, my thesis. My grad school thesis was done in Flash. Um, I created a couple games, you know, small little mini games in Flash. I just, I absolutely loved it. Um, over the years, you know, if people would say Steve Jobs, I guess kind of like Apple <laughs> didn't really like supporting it. Um, I, I know there were reasons. I can't remember all the reasons, but I know there were some some valid reasons. But um, just after a while, it kind of fell by the wayside. So it's no longer a thing, <laughs> unfortunately. So it we're going to include it. Kind of is. So we're going to include, or actually, it has some heritage that's still out there. Yes. We're going to include links to some of your work, et cetera, in your portfolio. Cool. And as this is dominantly a podcast, not the YouTube channel, yes. people can't see the stuff, but we'll also include some other things to it. What were some of the work that you did in Flash when it was in its heyday? Um, one of the things that I loved, I created um, a website for my dad's, uh, or group that my dad's part of is 29th Street Sax Quartet. And um, I had gone out and taken photos of, you know, subway stations and things like that. And then I illustrated them and then it created a lot of animation that kind of showed different parts of the train station with music and some anim opening intro animation where they're all different posters on the, on the subway walls. So um, things like that I like to play with because I love music so much. It was fun to be able to kind of incorporate animation and music with, with some of these pieces. So let's now bridge to now. Um, you got engaged. How did, how did AR find you? How did you find AR? How did you end up realizing this is another interesting journey twist? Um, so after Flash kind of, you know, petered out um, and I had to build websites without Flash, it was just not as fun for me. Um, I still did it for many years because that paid the bills. And I still, thankfully, you know, um, had some wonderful clients who came up with creative ideas. So I still felt creative in some way, but I just it wasn't as fun for me as it was when I was building in Flash. So um, uh, there was a part of me that just wasn't creative anymore. Um, I wasn't really doing my own work 
for many, for quite a few years. And um, I just really was kind of searching for the next thing. And I didn't know what I was looking for, but I just knew something was missing from me again. And um, in 2018, I started, I getting into unity. And I think I was searching again for like a flash replacement and, you know, kind of found unity and started playing around with that and thought like, okay, like this is, you know, sort of kind of close ish. Um, and so initially I thought I was going to go into game development and be an in- indie game developer. Um, cause it hit a lot of the buttons cause gaming involves, you know, storytelling and music and, coding and all of the above and photography and it could involve photography and video and you know so I was like oh this is this is what I want to do um but it still just didn't feel quite right and I honestly like I think Pokemon Go was it I think that was my first intro really into AR because that's the only thing that I can think of but I started playing around with it and um I got into Wicketude and Euphoria with Unity, uh, which are, you know, two AR software that you can use along with Unity to help create, you know, AR experiences. And was like, I'm ex- going to stop you here. Yeah, no problem. Already for some people going, what? Yeah. <laughs> so um, Unity is a game engine. Yes, Unity is a game engine. So um, that's a good metaphor for it. So I tend to think that in many ways, um, Web design is using, in some ways, software to put pretty looks around underlying data. And the game engine is kind of a vocabulary where I can put images and rules together and colors and mm. and things. But I don't have to code the darn thing most of the time. That it's got its own ways that it is creating a narrative with a tool set. I'm not sure of a good way to explain Unity. Yes, he's probably better than me, but you know, you do, well, they do have like visual, I think you can code visually. Um, so you don't have to know how to code code, but you, you kind of do with Unity. You need to um, know how to C sharp and mess with that. Yeah. Go down that rabbit hole. You do have to go down that rabbit hole, uh, at least a little bit, but I know they do. I think Bolt is their visual coding editor. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 you know, I guess essentially it is, it is a, engine it's a piece of software that allows you to create interactive experiences so it could be gaming but people use it for a lot of you know different things you can use it for medical purposes and creating educational experiences and ar and vr experiences so um you know it's kind of i think started as a game engine but people have started to use it in other ways besides just gaming so just sort of tying the bow on it so in unity i could create then a visual that I can overlay using one of these tools on the real world through my phone or other device. Yes. So with unity, you know, yeah, you can, you can create an an augmented reality experience that you can use on your phone. So how did you walk down this wonderful rabbit hole yourself? So you discovered it, Pokemon go awareness. Where did you take this and where were there opportunities? Um, so again, I was just initially experimenting, you know, um, I realized that it was a lot easier to get started than I thought it was going to be. So that was, you know, I think that was, that was good. It was, you know, doing, I started with image targeting, which, you know, allows you to kind of point your phone or if you have glasses, point your glasses at a particular image. And then once the, um, 
once whatever you create kind of recognizes that image, then other things can happen. So you can have a poster on the wall and you can set it up so that if somebody scans that poster, um, an animation starts or a character pops out of the poster wall or, you know, any, any number of things can happen. Music can start playing. So that's kind of where I started with augmented reality was to kind of just, um, you know, have some little images and try to have a character pop up. Um, and once I saw that I could do that relatively easily, then I kind of started to delve into, you know, to, to playing around a little bit more. But once again, even though I was excited about it, it still didn't click that I could like go further. It was like, oh, that's cool. You know, I'm still going to be an indie game developer, but whatever. That's kind of cool. Um, and so it wasn't until I um, got to participate in MIT's reality hack at the very beginning of 2020. I think it was either January or February. Um, and that is where it clicked for me because I was just like, I found, I found my people. I found like the type of work I wanted to do and just seeing all of the different uh, creators and seeing what they came up with and just the type of technology that was used there was really exciting. And so um, my team, we um, were paired with some documentary filmmakers who had been working on a, a uh, a film about this neighborhood in Miami that I think at the time was segregated, um, or they were just, it was, forgot all the details, but, um, the piece that we were doing with, with AR was telling the story of this one family. And it was a true story of this one family who had, uh, it was a black family who had integrated into this all white neighborhood and kind of what they went through of being the first black family in this all white neighborhood, you know, back in the day. Um, and so we told a little, it was like an AR, um, sort of a pop-up book. And so we used, um, glasses. They were the in real glasses and they were augmented reality glasses so that when you put them on, you were able to look at the table and you saw this, this book pop, pop up and um, this young kid, you know, this image of this kid popped up and you heard narration of him telling his story. And so, you know, as he's telling a story of having bricks thrown through their window and having, you know, a burning cross on their yard, you saw that kind of pop up um, in, in the book as well. And it just... So was there a physical physical book as the target? No, or was I think there just a space in the, in the room? There was just a space. I think we might've had, if I remember right, it was an, it might've been an image target. So I think it was an image of just, just a random photograph that we used kind of as the target. Um, and then the book popped up from there. Um, if I can recall that correctly, but it was completely the type of work that I was like, I want to keep doing this. Like, I love to be able to use this technology to create, you know, tell this very compelling story in this unique way. And I was just like, this is, this is what I want to do. So it was, it was completely life-changing for me. I'm so thankful that I was able to be part of that. So it's, it's a technology that's been around for a bit. And a lot of it is getting people both comfortable, better phones, um, new tools. Cause I know I early on had, um, if you, if you, put one of the various platforms over my business card, a little character would pop up and dance around <laughs> my business card. Cause I would always be trying to explain AR to people. Yeah. And then they go, well, what is it? I said, okay, look at my card, yes. my phone and see the little character running around. They go, Oh, cool. But then they kind of got stuck at the, Oh, cool. And then what do you do with it? So yeah. it, to, to me, the lens of your work, which is fascinating is the telling embedded story. That's much more cultural and personal. Um, which, which 
it, it's taking documentary in a whole different direction or, or fragments of story, which I find fascinating. So from this uh, MIT reality hack, where did you go from there? What did you take, do with this? Because you've done, considering it's not that long a time, a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah, I um, I think once I got back from there, I was, I'm trying to think of like the next project I worked on. I think I was trying to figure out what to do next. So I was, I think it was more connecting with people and getting to know other people's work and seeing what was out there. So I think that was a good chunk of it was getting to know folks on Twitter, which is why I'm like, I'm hoping Twitter stays because it's been very helpful for me to get to know some wonderful folks in this industry. Um, but then um, I got to be part of um, a residency through Snapchat in October of 2020. And um, once again, there was kind of some imposter syndrome because uh, one of the folks from Twitter had posted that they were looking for creatives and artists. And I was like, mm, that's not me. And thankfully, my friend saw the same tweet and tagged me on it. And I was like, all right, well, now he forced my hand. So I sent her my portfolio and, you know, didn't hear anything from her for a few months. And then she reached out and was like, hey, you know, thanks for reaching out. We have a residency that I think you should apply for. And, you know, again, I was like, I don't know. But uh, thankfully I did. And I got in and um, made me fall in love with Lens Studio, which is Snapchat's software for being able to build um, augmented reality games and things that you can use within Snapchat itself. Um, and it's just, I find it so wonderful to use. And there's just so ahead of the game in terms of all of the types of features and and cool things that you can do with it. So from there, I, you know, I kind of really delved down that rabbit hole of, of working in Lens Studio and creating projects with that. And being visible for that with your and being, work. Slowly but surely, yes. You know, I'm still still putting myself out there. But yes, you know, I, I had to get in the habit. I'm, I am somebody who is not really comfortable with showing my work, especially if it's not like super polished or, but I started to realize that people put a lot of their process up online and, you know, to show people like, look, Hey, I'm doing things. Like if I'm just sitting at home for three years and not showing anybody anything, like nobody knows I exist. So I've had to force myself to kind of be like, Hey, this is what I'm working on. This is what I'm trying out. This is an experiment that didn't work. And, you know, thankfully that's been helping, you know, raise vis visibility that, you know, I, I do this work too. Um, so that's, that's been a good, good challenge for me to push myself to do that. Okay, so I'm going to call you out on that a little bit because you your URL that you've chosen for your work is Bad Chick Studios, right? No, I'm really timid about my work, but no, my URL is Bad Chick Studios. Yeah, you know that was a kind of fake it till you make it. Um, I was trying to figure out because my old my old one was Photo Girl, um, and a you know I was doing more than photography, so I was like, this doesn't fit. Um, but it was at a moment where I actually felt very insecure and was trying to figure out my next path, and so you know it was it was me hyping myself up, and then I was like, I'm a bad chick, and that's that's what it's gonna be. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, that, that's that's my way of hyping myself up, even if I don't always feel like a bad chick. But I try to. I try to feel like a bad chick when I can. <laughs> I'm always a big fan of putting the bright, shiny shell out, and then you work on the inside while exactly. the bright, shiny shell is out there. So that's exactly. a great, bright, shiny shell. <laughs> so what is what is your work that you are showcasing now? Because I've seen some of it. Again, we're, we're doing a YouTube, but it's mostly going to audio, so it's kind of hard. I'm going to send you guys over to look at her stuff. But um, what would be good descriptions of some of the stuff you're proudest of that you've worked on? 
Um, most recently, actually, just just this past October, um, I worked with this wonderful um, artist and, and dancer and choreographer, Corinne Wicks, and she had this idea um, to create kind of this haunted walk through this old decrepit estate in I think LA or just outside of LA called Cobb Estate that has, you know, a whole haunted history of people seeing things and hearing footsteps behind them and, you know, and ghosts. And so she um, created some, uh, she used motion capture to, you know, kind of create these like spooky elements that would pop up at certain points during your walk. Um, and then it ends with a dance on film that was really cool and really well edited once you get to um, kind of the end of the walk that pops up at the very end. And that is definitely something that I had a lot of fun doing, even though I don't like spooky things. It was kind of funny that I was like excited to work on something that I'm like, I don't like being scared, but this was cool. Um, but it's, definitely the direction that I want to continue to go in, you know, a collaborating with other artists is something that I want to keep doing. It was really lovely working with her. Um, but also again, the storytelling aspects, so, you know, to kind of have this, this AR and, and narration as you kind of walk through this path, um, of Cobb estate and then having these little ghosts pop up and either walk towards you or kind of like dance and kind of hobble along, um, is really interesting to me. Um, I'm also, really interested in location-based AR. That's just from the beginning. I, I don't know why. Just like the, just the idea of having something pop up in the exact spot that you want it to um, and have multiple people be able to see the same thing is really exciting. So that was the other interesting aspect of this piece was that um, it was, it was location-based. It was, we had some technical issues because the, um, in that particular area, the reception was really bad. So I kind of mm. had to fake it a little bit, you know, but it feels, you know, thankfully it, it still kind of feels like, uh, like it really is like using the GPS and things pop up when they're supposed to. Um, but yeah, so my hope is to be able to do some more location-based experiences with that as well. I could ask you another 25 questions because I love <laughs> this area of work. Um, I've We've had conversations, which I don't know if you want to feel comfortable about talking about this, yeah, about sure. how to do, how to think about oral histories of people that you love in this space. Can you share your thoughts in what you'd love to do there? Yeah. So right now, and I'm thankfully, you know, um, in our last conversation, Gigi and I had, she recommended this book called Big Magic, and I've started to read it, and it's very helpful just about, you know, inspiration and ideas, and because and, I felt very stuck on this project, but I've been wanting to work and had this idea to work on a project about my grandparents who have all passed away. My last remaining grandparent passed away in 2019, and just about not so much their history, but just like my memories of them, and, you know... I started to recognize that there were certain art items um, that just sparked just instant memories of them, like, you know, a, a bottle of, of Irie dishwashing liquid and either smelling it and just even seeing it, you know, in the store. I was like, oh, my grandma. Um, but I've kind of been stuck on this project. And so I've realized that it's kind of not just about, you know, me retelling stories about them, but just more so about memory and just feeling like I don't have enough memories of them and feeling like, you know, using technology to capture memories of them. And also now as my parents are getting older, wanting to feel like I need to capture like every moment with my parents, you know, and as I get older. So just kind of more generally about memory and 
capturing memory and how we, you know, remember certain things and forget other things, but just around the idea of, of remembering my grandparents. So, um, it's slowly but surely coming together. I, I had a, a little bit of a breakthrough the other day, so I'm very happy. <laughs> I was thinking about some of this. I was walking through um, the member Mondays at the LA County Museum of Art, and it was very quiet this Monday. And I was walking through looking at all of these paintings, thinking that, you know, the the same sense of wanting to capture memory and location and all of that sits in paintings now in our museums. Yeah. But where will all this be? Um, in all of this digital stuff we're creating that will be in some cases tech dependent, right. On where it sits, kind of the equivalent of the Betamax tape was a grandmother's birthday party. Mm -hmm. And so we've got the opportunity to pull time through visible means, but how much are we baking it into digital fleeting spaces, which is some of the work I'm looking at right now, heading into this coming year of thinking about how to think about story and location and proximity and where we are, but then also what is the archive and looking backwards in context. So I find what you're working on really fascinating. Plus having done oral histories for years, I just find the whole, the whole concept of different ways to storytell about people we love or to, or to capture their stories and, you know, the, the boxes of photos that were marked in my house, you know, run out the door in a case of a fire, all packed to go. And it's like, well, what's the digital version of that now? I think yeah. An interesting question. I want to, you know, I want to try to maybe scan a lot more photos. So more of the family members could also access them, you know, cause a lot of them are in boxes either in my parents' house or my uncle or aunt's house. And, you know, they're kind of just sitting there. And so I would love to maybe start scanning them though. Again, like you said, you know, if I scan them now, are they going to be available 30 years from now? I don't know, but you know, I'll start with at least, at least we have the hard copies still as well, but I would love to take some of these photos and, and make it so that more of the family can enjoy them and go through them and, keep them for their own as well. Yeah. So um, what is your next adventure? What are you wanting to head into? And and in that context, is there anybody you'd like to reach out to you who might listen to the show and go, wait, this ties in with whatever they're doing. So yeah, I mean, if, if there is somebody who's listening, who, you know, is, is kind of going down that same path, I'd, I'd love to talk or just any storytelling experience. I'm really excited to collaborate with more artists or other folks who um, are, are interested in using augmented reality to, to tell stories or, you know, I, I'm, it's not, you know, I love storytelling, but I also love gaming. Um, and so a lot of my work um, also is just has interactive components to it. You know, I, I, I love escape rooms. I love being able to go into like children's museums and press things. So I tend to kind of have that in my work as well. So just kind of combining that, just like sort of like, I guess, interactive storytelling, um, to be able to feel like you're immersed in it a little bit more. Um, so yeah, if, if anybody out there is excited about that too, I'm totally down to collaborate, but yeah, my, my goal for next year is really to, to create some longer form 
AR work. You know, most of the work that I've done right now has been within Snapchat. And I want to explore that too, because a lot of the stuff that I've done with Snapchat have been either smaller filters, like I've done a, a filter with the Knicks jersey where you can choose your own number using voice recognition. So I, I love stuff like that, but um, I'd love to use Snapchat to try to maybe have some storytelling projects, but also um, some larger ones within Unity as well. So hopefully get this grandparent one going. Um, and just just see where that goes and a couple other ones. Great. Um, anything we haven't talked about you want to mention? I don't think so. I feel like, you know, like you said, we can go so many different ways. I feel like. <laughs> well, I'd love to invite you back. And then we'll talk about where you've come from in this stuff. Because I'm really very excited in thinking about it. And as those people who know what I'm kind of up to, um, other than as we were joking before we get started that I'm right now learning blender on how to build my yes. own 3D stuff Ugh, um, after it. having already been going down the unity rabbit hole myself and now thinking, Ooh, I could do AR stuff yes. um, in, in conversations though about how to be mapping cities in terms of layering narrative. And that's been going on for quite a while, yeah. but looking in certain sectors and areas to be doing walkthrough storytelling that can be used for a class I'm right now teaching, but how to sort of think about engaging with the content more than just I'm looking at a, a yeah. flat image on the web or whatever, that there's ways to then prompt people into a story narrative. And it can be sitting in their home with the camera pointed at their sofa, or it could be walking down the streets of New York or um, in their own neighborhood or in Miami or whatever it, it happens to be, or sharing that story over the holidays with their families. So um, yeah. there's a sense of intimacy with some of this and a sense of um, being able to experience it solo to an engaged content. There, there's some really neat ways to play with it. So I think yes. that there's some, I want, I want, I want to have you back, come back in and we'll that. talk about where you've gone. Uh, how can that. people best reach out to you if they have a great thing they want to ping you on? Um, you can, you can definitely find me on Bad Chick Studios. Um, <laughs> my email's there. And right now, you know, both Twitter and Instagram are also Bad Chick Studios as well. So you can find me at any of those places. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us. Thank and you. more fun to follow. Yes. for listening to Creative Innovators. We are expanding our footprint. So we invite you to go to creativeinnovatorspodcast.com and find us on Substack, where we are creating a new matrix of our past shows that you can find them more easily and find them along with the career adventure guide content, where you can take your own career and use some of the tools in the setup to both be inspired by past episodes of Creative Innovators, as well as become a bigger and better creative innovator yourself. We're also launching in a couple of other platforms this year. So stay tuned and join our lists and, and find out where else you can find and combine with Creative Innovators in 2024. <music>